if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, cheat off of the person next to you if they have their Bible. If nobody in your whole row has their Bible, then you just look at the board and uh, we'll put the scripture up for you. And if you can't read, then uh, just trust (laughs) that what I am telling you is from the Bible. Okay? So one way or another, we're going to get some scripture in today. All right, we are in, we're on the last message uh, in a series called Ticket to Life. Your Ticket to Life. This is the very last message, and I know some people are saying, Amen, thank the Lord, thank goodness. Uh, we can move on to something else, but I really believe uh, that, the God, that God has uh, and has uh, had things to share with us during this series. Now, this comes from Second Peter. Chapter 1, uh, we use the passage from verses 1 through 11, and uh, what happens is Peter explained to us different tickets uh, that we have that will get us, uh, get us into a place where we can enjoy uh, not just life, remember, not just existence, but an abundant life, that zoe, that eternal life. Okay, he tells us, first of all, Christ died on the cross for us uh, so that we can exchange our life for his. And but then there are other things uh, that he talks to us about that will help us to enjoy life. You know, life is not just for us to come to church, get saved and then just, you know, live any kind of life, whether it's bad or good. It doesn't matter. And just get to heaven. Life is not about uh, don't shout me down this morning, but life is not about getting to heaven at the end, okay? Life is about being an eternal being right when Christ comes into your life. You are changed at that point. And now you, from that moment on, you are an eternal being, living, breathing, being, walking in the kingdom of God. And should you choose to accept the tickets that Peter talks to us about, you will live the abundant life that Jesus told us that he came to bring. That your enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, the one who explains these tickets to us is Peter. All right, Peter is, uh, was a disciple and then an apostle uh, of Christ. He was one of his uh, disciples, and he went through some things. Peter went through some things. Amen. In fact, Peter uh, was a person that at the end of his life, uh, all that he had gone through, he was crucified, and, and it, is, it is very widely believed by scholars, theologians, historians, that Peter was crucified upside down. And simply because he didn't feel himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner as Christ. The same manner that Christ was crucified in. You see, Peter had been through some things. Peter was a person who walked with Christ. He saw him do miracles. In fact, he was involved very personally and very intimately in a miracle of his own when he got down out of the boat, come on, and walked on water. Peter saw all of these things. But then there came a time when Jesus was going to be crucified and Jesus began to prophesy to Peter and he told him that you will deny me. No, Lord, not me. We've been through too much. We've been through too much. I've seen too many things. I would never deny you. And after Jesus was taken, 
And while he was being beaten, while he was being spat upon and talked about, a little girl came up to Peter and said, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? And what did he do? He denied him. He denied Christ. Some of us today would say that that's certainly blasphemy. I mean, what is blasphemy? Blasphemy is denying, having tasted the Holy Spirit and denying it. You might say, well, that was Jesus. Well, it was Christ. What do you think Christ is? Jesus is the Son of God, but Christ is the anointed one and his anointing, which is simply the Holy Spirit. So he was filled with the Spirit of God. So Peter denying Jesus, he denied the Spirit. Come on now. I mean, if we're going to talk, let's get to it. He denied him. He denied him. And then after that, in fact, he denied what I don't understand about that situation, uh, because I'm not in it, obviously, is that this little girl had no authority. She couldn't do anything to him. There's nothing she could do, yet he still denied Christ to her. But after Jesus was risen, if you remember when Mary was there, he said, go tell the disciples that I am risen. Go tell them. And and he looked through his sin. He stretched through the sin of denial, which, by the way, I want to tell you something. Disobedience is a great sin. But denial has to be the sin that would hurt the most. Think about yourself. A good friend of yours. Come on, somebody you've known all your life. When you need them in your time of need, and they say, I don't know you. I don't know that person. How would that make you feel? So imagine Jesus, who has done all these things, knowing he was about to go to the cross and suffer one of the worst, not one of the worst death, anybody would ever suffer and to have his best friend deny him but God he was able to look through the sin of Peter reach in and restore him God restored him now we're talking about Christ the one and only there are many that people call gods today God's with a small g. A God might be defined as one who uh, does something that's uh, extraordinary. You know, it's extra human. I can't believe that a human being could actually do that. Uh, Or it's mythical or whatever it may be. But the Bible is very clear. And in fact, I want to tell you this morning that history is very clear. Scientists just choose not to receive it. But it's very clear that there is only one God. There was one God with one name, and his name is Jesus. And he died on the cross for you and for me. He shed perfect blood for you and for me. Not only that we might get to heaven, saints, but so that we would live. He said, I came. See, when he said I came, that meant being born. That meant living his life on earth, and that meant being crucified, and then finally that meant rising again from the dead. That encompassed all of that. He came that we might have life and have it 
more abundantly. What I want you to do this morning as we just go through this short exhortation is to get an image of God in your mind and who God really is. Because we talk about God. Oh God, he's out there somewhere. He's in the universe. He sits on high and looks on low. Oh, his ways are far above our ways as if he's someone who's far off that maybe one day, if we're good enough, we might be able to see him. But that's not the God that you serve this morning. And I want you to get a correct image of God in your mind this morning. Listen, there are, the spiritual world is real. All right, there is a spirit realm. In fact, you don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. You are a spirit. The Bible says God is spirit. He is a spirit. So are you. You are a spirit. So the spiritual realm is very real. It is very real. When we think about that, sometimes we think, well, there's good spirits and maybe there's bad spirits. There's angels and demons. There's good against evil. And that is absolutely true. There are angels, there is Satan, there are demons, the spiritual world, there is a fight going on there. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. Here's the image, please, and I hope you get this in your mind. Their spiritual realm is real. There, is, uh, there are demons, there are angels, there are spirits, and then there's God. There is good and evil, and then there's God. Because you must understand that God is God all by himself. There is none like him. He's not even part. Now listen, I'm not speaking sacrilege here. He's not part of the fight of good and evil. He's God all by himself. Everything was created by him, for him, and through him. Do you understand this morning that if God were part of the fight, there would be no fight? If God took an eyelash an eyelash and put it in the fight, it would be over. There is no fight if God. I just want you to get an understanding of who God is, how powerful he is. You know, you see, God is out in the universe. Guess what? As vast as the universe is, the universe is in God. That's the God that you serve. That's who we're talking about this morning. Now, let me bring it down to here. We now kind of have a picture of who God is. God is big. He's vast. He's large. He has life. He's breathed the breath of life into us. There is none like him. He's perfect in every way. His attributes are mind-blowing. We can't even name them all. That's who God is. That God. That same God submitted himself to you and to me that we might kill him on the cross. That he might save us. Save us from what? To save us from us. That he might bring us and reconcile us back to him. This same God is the God that now wants you to live and have an abundant life. 
So here's what I'm saying to you this morning. Don't think that you can't live it. Don't think that you can't have it. Because you didn't do anything to earn it. Come on. Nor can you do anything to give it back to God. Only thing you can do is not accept it. He has set his love upon you. He set his love upon you. And he's trying to tell us how to live this life. We're talking about the almighty God who's begging you, who's wooing you, who wants to bring you to where he is to live this life. He's given us tickets to life. Here's my definition of tickets to life. Ticket is a what? It's a special pass offered to you by Jesus. That's what I'm talking about this morning. To enter into specified places. Specific places that require someone to pay the cost of the ticket. Somebody has to pay the cost. The holder has faith to receive the tickets. Now, the cost to eternal life, to salvation, paid by Jesus. The cost to an abundant life to grow unto full stature, paid by you. Paid by you. The exceed ticket is what I'm trying to get to this morning. If you look at Peter, let's look at Peter, 2 Peter, chapter 1. I'm just going to go right on down to verses 8 and 9. Look there at verse 8. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says this. It says, for if these things are yours and abound. You might want to circle that word in your Bible or whatever your Bible might say. If these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is what? Short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten, you will forget, that he was purged from his old sins. So if you don't possess these things, what I'm calling tickets, if you don't possess these things that God is trying to show us, then what is he saying? You'll be short-sighted even to blindness and you will eventually even forget what he did for you. You will forget that you denied him. Come on. And he looked and reached through your sin to you. He does not deal with you by your sin. He deals with you based on the fact that you are covered by the blood of Christ. We don't want to forget that. Amen? Now here's what he wants us to know today. The exceed ticket is what we're after. It's a Greek word, pleonazo. You won't have to memorize that like you did hupomone. I know you still remember that from last week. Hupomone, that's your endurance ticket. That means I'm going through and I'm going to keep on going. That's what that means. But this one this week is the ticket that causes us to increase. Listen, God is all about increasing and abound in the spiritual virtues available to us and keeps us from ever being useless or unproductive or even short-sighted. The exceed ticket keeps us from being unproductive, ineffective, useless, or short-sighted. Now, I don't know about you, 
But I know there are some that may have been like me at a time in uh, your life where you felt like you were a little useless. You felt like you were not valued. You felt like there are those who ignore you. You felt like, why am I even here? I don't mean anything to anyone. No one's talking to me. No one's calling me on the phone to encourage me. I come to church every Sunday. I fellowship a little bit, but no one really knows what is really going on. You feel devalued. God wants you to know this morning that the creator of the universe, if your brother and your sister don't value you, should your mother and father forsake you, the creator of the universe values you. The creator of the universe loves you. I would even dare say that the creator of the universe needs your relationship. That's why he created you. He wants you, creator of the universe. So he says, if you have these things, these things, what are we talking about? These things are specific things that we are to develop. Now we know that he paid the cost for us to get into heaven. Or actually, we'll talk about this uh, next year, actually to be on the new earth, but to be with him, come on. He paid the cost for us to be with him in eternity. But for us to grow, for us to live the abundant life, there's a cost that we have to pay. Cost that we have to pay. We have some skin in the game, some things that we have to do. So these tickets, what are they? If you, if you have these things, you shall abound. Well, first we talked about the exchange ticket. That just simply means give one thing for another. Really, and what we're talking about is to give one thing for something better. Give my life for your life. I think that's better when we talk about God's life. We talked about the endeavor ticket. That, ad, that added the word add. Now add to these things. That means to supply whatever you need. Add to your faith. Add to what you already have. What do you add? We talked about the excellence ticket. That comes from the word virtue. Add to your faith. Virtue. It's excellence. What does that mean? Fulfillment of purpose. And it pushes you to reach your full potential, even in the face of adversity. We're talking about endeavor and excellence. Exchange. We talked about the education ticket. Here's the thing with the education ticket. It's not just about getting your high school diploma and your college degree. The education ticket takes it a step further, and we have to have a God kind of knowledge. We need to understand who God is. How does he operate? What does he want me to do? Who is God? How does he operate? Well, that's the education ticket. We must have that knowledge. It's a deliberate pursuit of the God kind of knowledge. We have to purposely say, Lord, I'm going after you. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of not being in the know. I'm tired of not getting any revelation. I'm tired of living the way that I'm living. I'm going to go after you. And we do it in the natural. 
We do it in the natural. When we go to the doctor, the doctor says, well, you know, your numbers are a little up there. So you got a choice. You can either go on seven different medications, and then if you still don't stop, it'll still kill you. Or you can make a decision. You can eat a little better, and you can exercise. And so when we're faced with that, we say, well, you know what? I'm going to have to make a choice. I'm going to go after it with everything I have because I don't want to live that kind of life. When someone says, listen, I know you've been at this job for a while, but the job is changing, the job is moving, and you're going to have to take these classes in order to stay in your job. Otherwise, you're going to be out of a job. What do we do? We say, well, I better start taking these classes. And you go after it. I wish there was somebody who was tired of being spiritually dry, tired of just getting up every day doing the same thing over and over, not feeling like you have a whole lot of value, watching life pass you by. I wish there was somebody that would stand up and say, enough is enough. I'm drawing a line. I'm about to go after it. I'm going to read my word a little bit more. I'm going to pray a little bit more. But guess what? Here's what God wants you to know. It's not all just about you. I'm going to help others a little bit more. I'm going to work on my attitude just a little bit more. That I'm kinder, gentler, nicer. I'm going to work on forgiving. I'm going to work on asking for forgiveness a little bit more. I'm going to go after it because I'm tired of living the same way. That's what God wants you to know about him, the education ticket. And then we talked about the energized ticket. Now, this is a big one, self-control. I wish that I could pray for you this morning, lay hands on you or you lay hands on me and say, I impart into you self-control. Now you got it. Boom, there it is. Self-control, you can wake up every day and just be in control. But guess what? That's not how it works. <laughs> oh, if you like me, you're a work in progress. And we have to work at self-control. Those are disciplines that prepare us to enter into the door of opportunity. No discipline, you won't get there. Come on, you in college know that. No discipline, you're not going to get there. You can't just wake up and go there and take the test as if somebody by osmosis put all of the knowledge into you. I didn't crack the book. I didn't pay attention in class. I remember going to college for the very first time, the very first day. I walked into a room at Ohio State, and there were about 370 kids in this room, including me. And so we're all in this room, and that's a large auditorium, maybe something like this, only the seats looked down upon the professor down there. And uh, we all were in there, and people were talking. I mean, it was our first day. We're freshmen. People talking. And so you probably know how this is. You know, kids balling up paper, throwing it. We were making paper airplanes. We used to make paper airplanes. They probably don't do that anymore. But we made paper airplanes, and we were throwing them across the auditorium like we were at the football game or something. And the professor just walked into the room and uh, went down and he had some little stuff, some papers, a little down here, a little thing. He didn't have an iPad. They didn't make those yet. But he had some papers. You know, he had pencil and paper and a chalk. And he went up and he started putting some things up on the board, you know, the syllabus, what we were supposed to read. None of us are paying attention. We're like, what is this guy doing, you know? And so he puts all this stuff up on the board. And then uh, a little time later, he walks right out the room. And then a short time after that, class is over. Bell rings, class is over. And we're like, 
what is going on here? What just happened? Oh, well, this is college. This is great. I love college. I can just come in, have a good time. That was on a Tuesday. We had that class again on Thursday, came back in. He came in, passed out the quiz to everybody. Guess what? Every single person, 370 students in that class got on that quiz. Guess. An F. Every last one of us. Because, no, listen, they don't care. Your parents or you are paying for school. So if you want to pay to come in and throw paper airplanes and not be disciplined, not have any self-control, and get a bad grade and fail and don't get your diploma, so be it. Because guess what? I'm still getting paid by the university. Still getting paid. Your enemy doesn't care. If you want to go through life, never read your word, never be kind to people. It's all about me, not about anybody else. All I'm worried about is my job, my education, my bills, my house, my car, my clothes. If that's all you're ever worried about, your enemy does not care. You can go through life right on like that. And guess what? At the end, no reward. Well, Lord, uh, you know, uh, I, did, I did some things in your name. Guess what? I never knew you. I never, you never did anything that I told you to do. Never. Why? Because you didn't have any self-control. No self-control. So he's saying if these things are in you, then what does he say? You will never fail. Within. It's the within factor. That means you have to grab a hold of these things. You have to grab a hold of them. You have to pursue it. Here's what I want to give you. Four promises that the exceed ticket promises you. Remember, I didn't say all of that at the beginning for nothing. We're talking about the God of the universe wants you to have this information this morning. Not me. The God of the universe wants you to have this information. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to succeed, Moses. The creator of you wants you to succeed. And guess what? I don't care what's happened in your past. I don't care what happened yesterday, last week, all the mistakes you've made. Maybe you failed. Maybe others have talked about you. I don't know. Listen, we all can sit here and wallow in mistakes that we've made. Come on, you've made two mistakes and I made three. You can, go, you can up me with five and I'll give you six. <laughs> Come on. We've all failed at something. We all got skeletons in our closet. Come on. Nothing new. No big deal. You're not the only one. <laughs> okay? You are not the only one. So just get over that. All right? Because if you keep wallowing in that, now you talk about pride. <laughs> I'm serious. If you think you're the only one that's ever messed up in life, boy, how prideful are you? I messed up too. Come on. So I don't care what's happened. God is telling you this very moment and this very day, I am giving you the tickets to succeed and it has nothing to do with what you're going to do or what you've done or your abilities and all of those types of things. Those are things that I'm giving you to help you. All of your giftings and all of that, they're going to be a help along the way. But none of that's going to matter if you don't grab a hold of these tickets. Obviously, if you don't have the exchange ticket, none of it matters. You must exchange your life for his. Come on. And if you don't have the hoopamone ticket, come on. If you don't endure, oh, you're only going to make it a little while. You're going to make it about half a day. If you don't grab a hold of hoopamone, you might not even make it half a day. 
Come on, because it's rough out there. <laughs> Come on. But here's the four promises. The first one is this. He gives us a promise to never be unemployed. Yeah, that's, that's what I said. Never be unemployed. Now you might say, what are you talking about, Brother Mike? Unemployed. Here's what I mean in the biblical sense of being unemployed. It means barren. Remember we read that word barren? He said you will never be barren. That means you'll never be without purpose. You'll never be without value. Remember we were saying sometimes you just feel like no one values you. Well, if you grab a hold of these things, if you grab a hold of, the, of, of this ticket that we're talking about this morning, all right, the exceed ticket, you'll never have a point where you feel like, oh, I have no value at all. No, because you'll know that you're valued. You'll never be barren. You'll never be idle, lazy, useless. Come on. You'll never be inactive, inoperative, unused. God will use you. You'll never be incapable of action, not accomplishing anything. It's a Greek word, argos. You'll never be argos. You'll never be unemployed. You will always be valued and living your purpose in the kingdom of God. Unemployment in the kingdom. We don't want that. Number two, he, prom he promises that you will never be right on the heels of unemployed. You'll never be unproductive. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you can be working. You can be moving in your gifting, but not be fruitful. Productive means to be fruitful. Jesus wants us to bear fruit. Jesus wants us to bear fruit. This is where we get the story in Matthew or Luke that when Jesus was walking with his disciples and came across the fig tree, you know the story. And the Bible says it wasn't the season for figs. Yet Jesus walked a little way off the road and looked for figs on the tree. And you're saying, is he not very smart? Does he not understand that it's not the season for figs? Yet he expected figs on the tree. And so when he went over there, he said, listen, you are cursed from the root. You will never produce fruit again. And we might think, boy, that sounds a little crazy. And that's because we're looking at it in terms of him and the tree. But what Jesus is trying to get you to understand is that I don't care what season it is in your life. I don't care if you're on top. I don't care if you don't have a job. I don't care if people are talking about you. I don't care if you owe money to this one. I don't care if you have all the money you ever need in the bank. I don't care if you have your, your cupboard is full of food. I don't care if you got no food. I expect you to be fruitful. I expect you to bear fruit. I expect you to always give me glory that I might work through you and produce fruit. There is never a season for us saints that we are not to be fruitful. That's what he's trying to tell us. You will That's what the Bible says. You will never be unproductive. You will never be unfruitful. You will always produce fruit. You ever seen anybody seem like they're just King Midas? You ever heard that story? 
I've seen people like that. Just everywhere they go, seems like something good happens. If they're part of your, your, your committee, you know, that everything just turns out great because they have great ideas and all of that. If they're part of your group, uh, you know, when you're in college and they're part of your group, you're supposed to turn in a paper or a PowerPoint or something. You know, as long as they're part of it, it seems like it just goes great. Everything they touch turns to gold. Well, God is saying, I have that for you. I have something that if you'll grab a hold to it everywhere you go, when you walk in the room, people's attitude change. I'm talking about people get healed. I'm talking about people who were down uh, come back to life and say, you know what, it's not that bad. I think I can do it. I'm talking about when you come in, people who are ready to separate say, you know what, we're going to give it another shot. Simply because the anointing in you. Come on. I'm talking about when you're on the boat and the storm comes called Eurachlodon, you can say, look, everybody on this boat is going to be saved because I'm on the boat. And it's not about me, but it's about God working in me. It's about the Spirit of God in me. And I have grabbed hold of the exceed ticket. And therefore, we are going to make it. He promises that you will never be short-sighted. Here's what I'm talking about with short-sighted. That short-sighted is the person who only sees now. They only see Friday. All they see is Thanksgiving. They don't see past that. We, people, it happens all the time at Christmas. All they see is Christmas. If I could just get all these gifts for that person, I'll be all set. Guess what? January coming. And you got to pay for all that stuff. <laughs> well, we do it all the time. Short-sighted. And God is saying you'll never be short-sighted. God is saying, listen, my brother, I want you to walk and live in vision, not in circumstance. But so many of us, we hear that, but we walk in our circumstance. We hear it. We know it. Yet, when tomorrow comes, circumstance. And that's what consumes us. And we don't look past it. And God is saying, I have a vision I want you to look past this temporary circumstance. Reach back and grab a hold of your hoopamone. Put some of it on. And make it through because I have a vision. There's an end for you. And I know the end that I have. I've already seen it. It is the end of good and not of evil. Come on, I have a good end for you. You just got to make it through. You got to keep going. Don't give up. You're right on the doorstep. Don't give up. That's what God is telling us. Don't give up. I mean, listen, there's things that you and I have to do. I mean, I can preach to you. Uh, one of the teachers in here can get up and teach to you all day about prayer. You know, prayer is this, and I can give you seven points on what prayer does for you and where the word came from and the Greek word of prayer and how prayer uh, communicates with God and what started prayer and, what, you know, how prayer will help you tomorrow and how it helped you yesterday and all the people that pray for it. They can tell you all of those things about prayer, but you still got to go pray. <laughs> I mean, if you don't pray, it does you no good to get all the teaching in the world on prayer unless you, what, got to pray. You and I have to do it. So we cannot be short-sighted. We have to be able to see clearly to the end. We've got to be able to see. And finally, he promises. Yes, he really did say this, Peter, the Holy Spirit through Peter. He promises that we will never stumble. Now, give me just one second on this. We're done. But just one second on this. I, I did some research on this at this word. 
never stumble. I think the King James might say never fail. You'll never start, never fall. Another version says never fail, never stumble. I said, Lord, so what does that mean? If I stumble, that means the whole thing is just, you know, it's, it's all messed up because you said I will never, and I thought I was doing what you wanted me to do, but I'll never stumble. But the more I looked at this word, Here's what I really got out of it. When I put it in context, how many know that you just can't read a passage of Scripture in the Bible? All right, you got to put it in context. It's called studying. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God. That's what we have to do. We got, listen, I'm t- we're going to jump in there or not? We're just going to let somebody else tell us about the Bible? We're going to read, the, we're going to do the Bible in one year and just, you know, read some scripture and not remember. You got to study and see what's going on with this thing. We got to go for it. Listen, next year we're going to do a fast. It's only a 10-day fast, but it's still a Daniel fast. You got to read Daniel. Some people say, well, that's not a Daniel fast. Read Daniel. You'll see it in there. We're going to do a 10-day fast. <laughs> All right. At about in the middle of January. And I'm going to ask you, you know, in years past, you know, we've said, well, you know, if you want to do the fast, you know, you can, or you can kind of do this. I'm, I'm telling you this year, do the thing. Do the fast. Do the fast. I'm, t- I'm talking about for you personally now. This is going to help you. Again, I'm not going to be at your house. <laughs> You're not going to be at my house. You know, I, I understand that. So, you know, but listen, you want to grow? Do the, do the fast. Because God's calling us to it. I wasn't looking for it. I said, yeah, Lord, that's, you know, I'll, you know, it's all right. He said, no, do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it in January. Do we want to go for it or do we not want to? We want to go for it. Come on. We want to go for it. Here's what he said. Well, here's what he's talking about when he said you'll never stumble. He's saying that you'll never be at a place where you can't come back from. Nothing will ever come against you that you can't overcome. That's really what that means when he says you will never stumble. It means that with your hoopamone, got my hoopamone on, with your hoopamone, there's not going to be nothing that you can't get through. There's going to be nothing that comes against you. Come on. I know my son watches all these superhero movies, and I see them where they just go through stuff, and you, you look at it and you go, yeah, right. But that's what God is saying you are. You're a superhero when my spirit is in you. Nothing can come. You can go through fire. Come on, talk to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can walk on water. Talk to Peter. You can make it through the worst storm. Talk to Paul. Come on. You can make it out of the belly of the fish. Even when you've been disobedient, I'm still there. All you got to do is turn to me. You can make it out the belly of the fish. Talk to Jonah. Come on. There is nothing that will come against you that you can't make it through. You will never stumble. You will never be crushed. You will never be stamped out. You will never be insignificant. That will not happen to you. Look at some people who so-called stumbled. Look at Abraham. He stumbled. He fell a little short. He was a man of faith. Come on. He stumbled a little bit. What about David? We know he stumbled. Come on. Peter, we just talked about him, denied Christ, was with Christ and denied him. John Mark stumbled, so much so that Paul said, look, go home. You know, we, he, he, he told him, he said, look, go home. He said, go home. You know, you, you, talking about you whining for your mom and all this. We out here trying to heal people. I'm getting bit by snakes and you whining because we out in the cold. Go home. You know, and Barnabas said, no, 
Now, you know, John Mark, he's all right. You know, he just needs some time. Come on, some just need some time. Come on, Moses. Some just need some time, that's all. Got to deal with them. But he said, you'll never be crushed. You'll never be to that point. For I will raise you up out of the ashes like the phoenix. You'll come and rise up and you will overcome. Just when they thought it was over. Come on, when they thought you were dead. You're still going. Set back to come back. Come on, somebody. Set back to come back. Philippians 4.13 says this in the Amplified. It says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. It says, I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. We are able to be renewed and refueled. Come on. We are ready to be filled and fruitful We are excited for our future and others' future. What I want to leave you with this morning, don't forget that God is speaking to us this morning. He's talking about, uh, you know, the the, the exceed ticket above and beyond. And I just love to say this. I've said this before, but I just, I'll beat it into the ground and to myself even. That, you know, I love the King James Version of this scripture. It says, God is able to do exceeding. Now, in other versions, it says exceedingly, abundantly, like it's exceedingly and abundantly. But if you look at it in the King James, it says exceeding abundantly. In other words, he's able to do abundantly in your life. That's more than enough, more than you ever thought, more than you ever dreamed of. He's able to do that. Abundance, overflow. He's able to do all that in your life. It's the God of the universe. Remember, we talked about this. This is the God of the universe. He's able to do abundantly in your life. Guess what? He's able to exceed that. To go above all of the abundance that you couldn't even dream of. He exceeds that. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. We're talking this morning about the exceed ticket. How many want to exceed this morning?